Good morning. Oh boy, what a song. What a song. And she sings the way that she sings. The Lord has gifted her. He's given her talent. And she uses it. From the day she was a little girl who used to sing at the Grange Hall, as a little girl who used to know all the words of every song, she's grown into this beautiful young lady who has a voice that is just, it's fit for Carnegie Hall. It's fit to go out to millions of people. And we thank that are thankful for her that she serves our Lord so faithfully, not only as a singer, but in the choir as a singer and as a mother. And that's a huge ministry for all you women out there. It's a huge ministry. And she has little Colin that she's raising for the Lord. So I'm so thankful that she had the beautiful song for us today. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for Taylor and for the song that she sang. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that come to us in disguise sometimes. They come as trials and difficulties and problems and obstacles. And and Lord, we thank you that they are blessings for us because they draw us closer to you and help us to realize how weak we are and how strong you are and how you can come through us and, and work in our lives. And we pray now that you'll quiet our hearts before you and speak to us through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. Lord, please hide me behind the cross and just pray that you would be the one speaking today, Lord, through your word. And you would have a message for each and every one of us to take home with us in a challenging way, Lord, in a powerful way. Please encourage us. And we just commit this time to you and pray for your help and guidance in Jesus name. Amen. I'd like to tell a story today that was found in a newspaper article in the Atlanta Constitution newspaper on May 17, 1987. It tells a story of a certain man who owned a little shop outside the town of Andrews, North Carolina, by the name of Rob Cutshaw. And Rob was a rock hound. He would go out and look for rocks, and then he would sell them to collectors, and he would sell them to jewelry makers. And so he made a little money doing this, but it didn't really pay all the bills. So he moonlighted as a woodcutter. So he was a woodcutter and he was a rock collector. And that's how he made his living. But it didn't always pay the bills, as I said. But one day he was out digging for rocks 20 years previous to that. So 1967. And he found this beautiful rock. But he brought it back and he described it as quote, purdy and big, purdy and big. That's how he described it. Well, he tried unsuccessfully to sell this purdy and big rock. And so he decided to put it in his closet and he put it in his closet for 20 years. He couldn't figure out why nobody bought it. He figured he could bring in at least $500 for this beautiful stone, but nobody bought it. Good for him that he didn't because he probably would have missed out on a great opportunity because though trying to sell it for the $500, he came to find out that this was the star of sapphire called the David star of David sapphire. And it weighed one pound, a one pound sapphire that could have sold for two point seven five million dollars. Now, that's a treasure. He found a treasure. But that treasure to him 
stayed under his bed. It stayed under in the closet for all those years. He was a rich man, but he was sitting on top of this treasure that could have made him rich, but he didn't know it. And you know, there's a better treasure. There's a greater treasure than this star of sapphire diamond, of uh, sapphire. There's a greater treasure than anything this world has to offer. And that treasure is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This treasure is more special than anything else we can have in this world. Because you can have all the cars, you can have all the homes, you can have all the possessions and clothing and all these things. And people consider them treasures, but they all disintegrate. They all go away. But when you have Christ in your life, that's for eternity. And when you have the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the best news that you can possibly have. But you know, there are people like that today. They take the gospel message, they hear it, and what do they do? They say, maybe another day. They put it in their closet. They put the gospel message in their room, under their bed. And that gospel message, which is powerful enough to change their life for now and for eternity, goes unclaimed, unused. Other people, they say, well... I don't consider it worth it, so I'm going to take it out like this, Rob, this man named Rob would have and sell it. Hawk it. It's not important to me. I want, something, I want something I can touch in my hands and hold in my hands. I want something of this world. And they consider that more important than the gospel, more important than Christ, and it's not. And the title of our message today is Treasure in Earthen Vessels. Treasure in Earthen Vessels. The Apostle Paul mentions this in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 4, and Ed's going to put the verses on the screen. We're going to read the passage, but we're going to focus on verse 7. But 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 1. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to the, on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And here's the but. But... We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. 
The gospel message is a treasure that we have in earthen vessels. In other words, in our humble, frail bodies, God has chosen to impart to us the gospel and then allow that powerful gospel to flow through us to others. Like we can be a conduit. I know Ed is an electrician from the past and he used to work as an electrician. And when you have that conduit, the electricity flows through it and it flows out. But if anything blocks it, it won't come through. And so we want to be God's channels. We want to be his conduits. We want to be his vessels to bring the message, that powerful message to others around us. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel message. Is it popular today? No, it's not. Our dear brother Rick shared this morning that the word or the message of the cross is to those who perish foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. And that's the power that Paul spoke about in Romans 1.16 where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and, to the, and also to the Greek. You know that word power there in Romans 1.16 is the Greek word dunamis. And it means God's power, His might, His strength, His miraculous power. And it's the word in the Greek is what we get in our English word dynamite. The gospel is like dynamite. It's powerful. I mean, how can you explain when you have a drug addict, he's on drugs or she's on drugs, their life is messed up. How can you explain they receive the gospel, they receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, their life is changed. How can we explain it? When we were going our own way in life and we didn't know the Lord, we wanted nothing to do with Him. We were enemies of the cross. And yet when He saved us, that powerful message came to us. He changed our lives and put us on a new path. A path of repentance and turning to Him. And He gave us eternal life and salvation. It's a great power. It's such a mighty power. And yet that mighty power of God is housed in this mortal flesh. It's housed in this earthen vessel, this jar of clay. Like the hymn writer says, I am weak, but he is strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. There's power. There's power in that gospel. And he wants us to experience it. That's why we want to focus today on 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Yes, we're going to look at three words today that summarize verse 7. Three words. Number one is possession. We possess this power, this treasure of the gospel. Number two, the power. Number two, power. And third is having the right perspective on what it really means. In our life. Well, first of all, let's look at the first thing is the possession. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Who were the we? Who is Paul talking about? The we. If you're saved today, you're part of the we. 
We have this treasure. You mean, Lord, me in my simplicity, in my weakness, in my frailty, you've chosen to impart this treasure? Yes, he has. That's why God has so much grace, so much mercy for us, that he would love us and that he would impart to us all these blessings. It really is quite amazing. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 52, the Lord Jesus said, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings forth his treasure, both things new and old. The gospel message is an old message. It goes back over 2,000 years ago when the Lord Jesus Christ first gave it. The apostles carried it forth. It's still going today. It's old. But it's also new because every person who hears it, it's new to them and it's exciting. And even we who have been Christians for many years, it should still have that excitement to us. We should still want to hear the good news, the gospel, that God sent his son down to this world to die for us, to save us, wretches like us, sinners like us. He would send his perfect son down to save us. That is the amazing story of God's grace. You know, the story is told of a treasure called the Beale treasure. And the Beale treasure is very interesting because it tells a man who went on a treasure hunt. He went out looking for treasure. You know how back in the days they used to look for gold and silver. They used to mine for it. They used to try to get rich back in the 1800s. And that's what this man did. And so he came out west and then he returned back home to where he had lived in the east. And he said he had made all this money and he then disappeared disappeared. It was mysterious. He then disappeared and he left behind a statement saying there's a code. And if you can find out this code and, and, and know what this code is, then you can know where the treasure is. And then if you can discover the other parts to it, then you can know how to go and get this, this treasure. So people spent hundreds of thousands of hours looking for this Beale treasure. I think they might still be looking for it. And they spent money to find it, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to find this Beale treasure, to break the code and to find it. They couldn't find it. They still haven't been able to find it. Aren't we thankful today that God didn't put the gospel in code? Some strange language to understand that we couldn't know. Some strange code that we had to try to transfer it, decipher it and understand it. He made it so simple the gospel message, that even a little child can understand it. And yet he made it deep enough so even the most learned, educated person can also be blessed by it. The gospel is for everybody, every man, every woman, every child. It's the way of salvation to come to Christ. And every one of us have to make a personal decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. It's our decision. We can't say, well, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian church. I grew up in a Christian country. It doesn't work. We have to make the personal decision to have that treasure, to have that salvation ourselves personally. And when we do that, we're saved, we're born again. But I'm so thankful for the word of God that he made so clear to us. It says in Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. God made this gospel simple, clear, and easy to understand so that when we receive it, 
we receive it in our lives and it changes our lives forever. Yes, Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels or in other words, jars of clay. Back in the days of the Bible, and I don't know, they may still do it in some places today, they will take their treasures and put it into these, these jars of clay, these huge pots. And they will put in their money, they will put in their jewels and gems and all kinds of things. They put it into there. And they can get restored. They can, they can be preserved. And sometimes they find these things after years. And, and they've been preserved in these, these clay pots, these pottery pots. And to illustrate that fact, in 1947, there was a little Arab boy who went out with his goats and the goats were going astray and they went into these caves and he was trying to get the goats out of the cave. So he took a stone and he threw it into the cave and all of a sudden he heard something break, bang, crash and broken. So he went into the cave and he found this clay pot. And guess what? Inside this clay pot were what we call the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now that was a treasure in an earthen vessel. But we have something even better than that. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the gospel that's even better than that. But what I really like about the Dead Sea Scrolls is before that, we had the truth of the word of God. But this showed it went even back further. It went back 200 years before Christ. Up to that point, they had it 800 years before. Uh, 800 years. But now it went back even further to 200 years before Christ. And we're thankful that we have the message of truth. And it's still, the Bible is true. And they find these scrolls and they find these things and never once does it ever contradict the Bible. They found in these Dead Sea Scrolls portions of the book of Isaiah exactly. It shows that this is the word of God. And we don't need the confirmation because we believe it by faith. But it's nice to see that God allows these confirmations to come that show how real and true it is. You know, the Apostle Paul he was a treasure in earthen vessel too because God allowed him to go through so many trials and experiences in his life. And we know the story in 2 Corinthians 12 where he prayed to the Lord, Lord, take away this thorn in the flesh. Take it away, Lord. It's painful. It hurts. It's bothering me, Lord. And he prayed three times. And God's answer is found in 2 Corinthians 12:9, where he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, Most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, Let it happen, Lord. If it's your will for me to have this affliction, let it do its work in my life. Because as Taylor was singing in that song, these painful trials, these things we go through, they're blessings in disguise. Paul realized it. He realized it. And probably thought back later on, I'm glad, Lord, you didn't take it away because you used it in a special way in my life. And he uses the trials in our life. It's not fun. It's not easy to go through it. The painful things, the difficult things. But he has a purpose. He wants to show that his power can come through weakness. Through our weakness, His power can come through. And that shows a lot to the people in the world. So that's our first point today is the possession. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Secondly, we have the power. The word power here is amazing. It says that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It shows our human frailty and God's mighty power. Now, this was illustrated in the Old Testament in a wonderful way in the story of Gideon. 
Gideon was very afraid of the Midianites. And we know the story about how he would go into the wine press and he would take the wheat and he would try to hide it from the Midianites because they stole everything. They stole their food. They stole their, their goods, their possessions, their weapons, everything. Took everything away. And so there he was. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Oh, mighty warrior, Gideon. He said, Who, me? What, what? I'm not a mighty warrior. But when God calls you and fills you with his power, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. I'm a mighty warrior when we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So he called him and he took out this army and he had 32,000 men. They were all volunteered, ready to go. Weapons in hand, ready to fight these Midianites. Let's go. The Lord says, no, that's too many. Too many, too many. You've got to reduce that number down. So they reduced it down to 10,000. Okay, we're ready to fight, Lord. We've got 10,000 of us. We can still do it. Let's go. Lord said, that's too many too. That's too many too. And he took him down to the river. And we know the story that the ones who lapped were the ones that were, were kept into the army. The ones that, you know, took the bowed down into the water. They said, nope, you're going home. So he sent back all the rest down to 300. 300. 300. Against thousands. Thousands of Midianites. Strong fighters. Powerful warriors. You're going to send a force of 300? When God's treasure is in earthen vessels, that shows that the power may be of God and not of us. And so he said, Gideon, that's the right number. Go. And by the way, you're not going to go and you're not going to need those swords and you're not going to need those spears and you're not going to need the weapons you have here. Well, what are we going to use, Lord? Well, you're going to take a trumpet in one hand and you're going to have a pitcher or a, a vessel like this in the other hand. And you're going to go and you're going to have a, a torch that you're going to put inside the pitcher. And when I say the word, the sword of the Lord and Gideon, you're going to break that pitcher open and it's going to. Wait a minute. Does that make sense? No. Does that make sense? We're going to go out to fight. Number one, we already sent all those other men home. We didn't need them. Then we sent all their weapons away. We don't need those either. Well, how are we going to do it? And the answer was the power of God. The power of God through human frailty. And as it turns out, we all know the story. They broke the pitchers. The light shone. The Midianites thought they were being attacked by this huge force, double their size. And they started fighting against each other and killing each other. And then even their leaders, they went and pursued them and found them and killed them. The battle was won. The battle was God's battle. The battle and the victory was the Lord's because it was his power. If they had gone out with the 32,000 and with all their weapons, they could say, we did it. We beat those Midians. We showed them. We're a good army here, this Israel, Israel army. We, we're good. We're powerful. We can do it. But they went out with no hope in themselves, no strength, no power in themselves. But through them, the power of God worked and they won a tremendous victory. Yes, it's strength. God's strength through human weakness. If you look over into 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 to 29, and we were reading from the first chapter by Rick. I thought he was going to go, go there this morning, but he didn't. So we had 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. Every time I read this, I think, Lord, this is an amazing thing who you choose. Who are the people that you choose? Who are these Christians? What, what, what is our background here? And it shows in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 20 to 29, this wonderful truth. He says, For considering your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, 
Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. Now, notice he doesn't say not any, but he says not many. He says, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh shall glory in his presence. That's amazing to me. And we've seen it. I've seen it with my eyes. I've seen people that have, have, have gone out and preached the word and have had powerful ministries and they become missionaries. They didn't have the education. They didn't have the background. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't have all these things the world considers important, all the degrees on the wall. But they had the power of God. And the power of God flowed through them. And souls were saved. And believers were built up. And they had a great ministry. And God says, I don't share my glory with another. I'm not going to let anybody take that glory or take that credit. I'm going to put it in such a way that I can use the human being, the frailness of of these folks. Just common, ordinary people like us can be used of God in a miraculous way. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work. We can never say, I saved that soul. We can never say, I did that. I did it. We're the vessel. We're the earthen vessel that he works through his power. It's God that gets all the glory and all the credit for every soul that is saved. We were watching Billy Graham last night and Sylvia and I were talking and we were talking around the TV as we were watching. It's a classic. Back when he was speaking in, in Florida in 1985, and he was giving the message and he was calling these people and they were getting saved, people saved. And it's amazing because here he was preaching the gospel and all these people were getting saved at one of his rallies, one of his evangelistic crusades. Multiply that by all the years that Billy Graham served. Think of how many souls got saved. And I was saying, think about when he gets to heaven, he's going to meet all these people that he won to Christ. And he's gonna, and they're gonna welcome him. Or if, or if they come out later and he's there, he'll welcome them. But he doesn't get any credit for it other than being available for God to use. It's God's power that went through it and he will get rewarded for it. That's the thing. Even though God does all the work, has all the power flowing through us, he says, I'm still gonna give you a reward even though it's my power that does the work. That's an amazing grace right there. That is so wonderful indeed. But you know, if the power was of us, then how proud we would be. But because the power is of God, how humble we must be. Because we realize it wasn't me. It wasn't that sermon of mine that I gave. It wasn't that sharing that I made or that witnessing to people. We need to do all of those things. And we serve the Lord. But it's Him. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about what he can do through us in everything we do for Christ. And so it's a it's a perspective that he wants us to have. And that's our third point this morning is to have the right perspective to remember every day. It's about him. It's about the work of God. It's about the church of God. And just when we start thinking we're indispensable, that they can't get along without us, whether it's work or at church or anywhere then the Lord humbles us and and makes us realize, Dean, they'll get along just fine without you. 
because it's not me. It's not Dean that's important. It's not Adel that's important. It's about Janie that's important. It's about the gospel and it's about the Holy Spirit working through us and we're his ordinary, common jars of clay and he chooses to use us. But there's a catch. Okay, now what's the catch? What's the catch? Yeah, there's a catch. There is a catch. If you want to be used of God like this and be an earthen vessel that his treasure can flow through and his power can go through, there's a catch. Actually, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six catches, six six things that we have to remember. Number one, if we want God's power to flow through us and be effective and powerful, we have to be available. We can't say, well, I'm going to stay home. No, you have to be available. Number one. Number two, you have to be willing. I have to be willing. God can't use a vessel who's not willing. Number three, God cannot use a vessel who's not surrendered. We have to be surrendered. And so many times we want our own way. And he has to to bring us down to that point where we just surrender to his will. Say, okay, Lord, I surrender. Number four, we have to be committed. We have to be all in, like our brother was sharing, brother... um, that was sharing on the message that we saw up on the screen, Brother Louie. And we have to be all in. Now, this was a tough one. Number five, we have to be broken. Oh, I don't like that word. Do you like that word? How many like the word broken? No, we don't, right? Because when we're broken, that's a little bit painful, right? That's a little bit hard. Now, it's one thing if I can serve and just be going along just fine and happy and everything, but... He says, Dean, I want to break you. I want to break your will. I want to break your pride. I want to break you down because I love you so much and I know that I can use you if you're broken. We read that book years ago, Calvary Road. And when I first read that book, I was like, this is the Christian life. This is what he wants me to do, to walk this Calvary Road, to be broken. And it talked about the letter I. That letter I, it's just like this, right? A straight number like this. The letter, capital I. And he says, the writer says, and to break you, you have to be like that C. So to get from an I to a C, the I has to curve. It has to break to be a C. It's like this, right? And it has to break to be like this, which stands for Christ. To have the life of Christ flowing through us. It's painful, though. This painful like this. He has to break us. It is. But it's worth it. It's good for us when we're broken because then we realize that the power is of God. It's not of us. And we can be happy and thankful that all the credit and all the glory goes to him. And the final one is really tough, to be emptied of self. Self. We've lived with self all these years. I've lived with self for 58 years and he's got me into trouble every time. Self is my worst enemy. I look at him every day and he gets me in trouble. But praise God that the Lord wants to work through that and break, break that self to, to use for his glory. And everything we have is from him. And all the results that we get are for his glory. And we can thank him. If we do it with the right motive, he's going to give us tremendous rewards. We're going to be in heaven one day and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to give those rewards. And we're going to take them and just throw them down at his feet. We're going to lay them down. We say, Lord... You gave me the strength. You gave me the ability. You gave me the talent. You gave me the opportunity. Here are these these crowns. I'm going to cast them at your feet. Don't we want to have crowns that we can cast at his feet? Yes, we do. And to do it 
We want to be those humble vessels that he can flow through and be a blessing to others. The problem is, my problem too, we have to deal with it. My problem is this, that we want to do it in our own strength. We want to do it with our own wisdom and our own power. We think that's the way we're going to do it. That's the best way to do it. And the Lord reminds us, Dean, wait a minute. That's not how I want you to do it. This is how I want you to do it. And it always doesn't make sense to the human mind. What God asks us to do many times doesn't make sense. Like in the days of Gideon and other times, even in today, things don't make sense. But when we surrender and we do his will, he sees how power, he shows us how powerful it can be. He really does. And it's a blessing. So let's be reminded this morning that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And just when we want to start taking the credit, let's remember that the Lord Jesus Christ came down to heaven to die for us because we're sinners. And we need to be saved. We need to accept that gospel message because without that, we're not going to heaven. We're not going to have any life eternal with the Lord at all. So we need that gospel. And he gives us that gospel in earthen vessels, jars of clay, humble, frail bodies to use for God's glory. And he gets the glory. But let's remember, as we said, we have to be available. We have to be willing. We have to be surrendered. We have to be committed. We have to be broken. And we have to be emptied of self. And when we do that, we find that the Lord can work in amazing ways. He can do miracles. Is he still doing miracles today? He's still doing miracles today. And we see it and we see that it's of God. And we say, Lord, I didn't do that. I didn't do it. You did it. And when he does it, he does it the best. He does it the most powerfully. And he does it with an effect that cannot be denied. And people look at us and say, wow, you did a great thing there. And we say, nope, not me. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. He gave me that strength and ability to do it. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who has never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, make it today. Receive him and you will receive that power, that eternal life, that forgiveness of sins. Make it today that you come to the cross and say, thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for me. I've messed up my life. I've ruined everything by my sin. But thank you to Jesus for dying in our place on that cross and giving us the opportunity to have a brand new start, to be forgiven, to have eternal life. And if there's anyone here today that is ready to receive Christ, please raise up your hand. Come forward at the end of the meeting. Talk to Adel. And you can receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are saved, may the Lord touch our hearts. May we be those channels, those conduits of your power and your strength. Help us, Lord, to be humble. And so, Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for this wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians 4.7. We thank you that we can say with Paul, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Help us never to be proud, Lord, or think that we're doing it on our own because it's your mighty power. And we thank you for the many souls that need to be saved and the much work that needs to be done. Help us to humbly serve, Lord, and be those who are available and willing and surrendered 
and broken and emptied of self and committed, Lord, on all these things. And we thank you for this time. Please take us home safely. Help us to rejoice in you and our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.